that whole thing you said about serving a little bit. Of course, they're like, oh, I just want to serve my clients. That by definition, you must do to stay in business. So let's just take that off the table. If you're not serving your clients, you're not going to stay in business. But you can't serve anyone if you can't keep your lights on, right? Right. And so a lot of what I help women do is try to get them working on the right things at the right time and focusing on the right things. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Ribbons, your host for Next a podcast dedicated to connecting women through stories, inspiration, and actions that empower resilience, leverage change, and celebrates their next. All right, today's guest takes the topic of money to a new level. Making it and keeping it is what she has spent her career helping her clients do. Deborah Daniel, CPA, is a business, accounting, and money mindset set expert, leveraging her 30 years of financial experience into tips, steps, and strategies for growing business and accumulating wealth. Welcome, Deborah. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. This is kind of my jam. My kids laugh at me because I, I really think about this, talk about this. I consume information about this like constantly. I mean, not that life is about money, but business is about money and business is what I'm all about. So I love to talk about it. I'm glad that I hope that I can share some nuggets that are worthwhile to the listeners. Oh, great, great. Well, you know what? The thing is, is people go, oh, I don't want to really talk about money, but money is, is like you're saying, you just said it perfectly that it's, it's about business. And if we're going to be doing a business in meaningful business, um, even a, uh, a nonprofit, you still have to be thinking about the flow of money so that you can continue to deliver what it is you do so well. So I think, especially for women in business, we have to get that mindset of, of money and knowing our numbers really well. So let's start out with a little bit about you, your background, and then let's get dive into like how we get going on this mindset. Sure. I'll give you the quick, I mean, this is it, it really, literally, this will be the beginning of year 29 when we mm-hmm. flip the calendar tomorrow. Um, but it, it, it's been a, it's been a journey. I, I, I got married um, it, early in the year of 1992. And the next thing I knew, I owned a business by the end of 1992. Um, but <laughs> I often say, I often tell people that I have this, I always had entrepreneurial tendencies. My dad really wanted to be an entrepreneur, but my mm-hmm. mom always held him back from that. Um, in that she wanted the stability and, you know, back then it was really a one earner kind of family kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I've had the luxury of having a supportive spouse from day one. I mean, we were married in our mid twenties, but he was, he made enough to support us. I didn't make any money really for our family for the first five years of our business because I chose to build my business by acquisition, yeah. um, which is even more kind of outside the box for someone in their twenties, right? Wait, um, wait, slow, slow, I, slow, slow, just what's acquisition. So, so, so the, the listeners can be like, what is that? How did she, I, so I bought existing businesses. I mean, there's two uh-huh. ways to really grow your business. You could just go out there, do a bunch of marketing and say, Hey, please come be my first customer. Or I bought, and I did a little bit of that, but I also, after, after starting the first tax season, we just put up a sign income tax, did a lot of little easy tax returns. April 15th came, you know, and I had no business clients. I had no recurring revenue. I was like, okay, what do I do now? And literally I was, I think it was 26 at the time. I basically went and looked for a business broker to help me find a business to buy. Mm-hmm. And so I found a small practice. It wasn't big. It was like $50,000 in, in revenue, you know, and after the expenses didn't make too much after that. But, um, so I bought that one. The year later I bought another one that was like $150,000 in revenue. And then in the next couple of years I bought 
do other ones. But that was how I chose to build the business. There's a lot of different ways. You could just, you know, spend money on marketing, like I said, and go on a lot of sales calls and things like that. I just felt like because I was young, because I was a woman in a predominantly male um, field, still kind of predominantly male, and we could talk about that some if you want to as well. Um, I just felt like I needed the credibility. I didn't want somebody to be my first customer, right? So right. I'd rather buy some customers that I could continue to service, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I've been doing it for 30 years. I'm like, whatever, I can handle whatever comes about. But I just didn't want to be asking people like me now in my, you know, 50s that do have a lot of financial savvy to be looking at this person who's 26 years old, you know, looked like I was 15 probably at the time <laughs> and, you yeah. know, and telling them what to do with their money. I mean, right. it's kind of like ridiculous. When I look back, I think, I did. I didn't. It didn't occur to me that it was kind of crazy, even under that scenario, to be taking this on. I mean, because I've always had the "I can do it," you know, prove prove to me that I can't attitude, and I think that's really key in being an entrepreneur. But um, that's the way I chose to grow the business, and I haven't looked back. I mean, literally, this is 29 years, and I, I just don't think I would play well in the corporate environment because I'm so used to this environment. And I love it as well, because as women, I feel like it is really the ultimate glass ceiling breaker. My clients don't pay me differently than a male CPA firm owner. Mm-hmm. I set the prices. Mm-hmm. They don't say, well, sorry, Deborah, you have the same credentials as Joe, but because you're a woman, which I know is still happening in corporate quite a bit, you're going to get paid 78 cents on the dollar or whatever the number is these days. I mean, I set the price, right? And as entrepreneurs, we set the price. Yep. Yep. And the thing is too, is that I think that you had the wherewithal at 26 year old, 26 years old to know, all right, I want to go and do my own business rather than I think I'll work at firms and, and work Mm -hmm, my way mm -hmm. up kind of thing. What was that? How did you know that at 26? Well, I, the thing is, I, like I said, I'd always seen the dream of it in my dad's eye and what he wanted to do. And so I was always intrigued by it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I was the kind of kid growing up, I didn't want to play house, I wanted to play business, I wanted to play office, you know, I mean, I always knew that I wasn't, you know, excited about being a domestic engineer. I mean, I mm-hmm. to, to this day, anything that I can in my house, I pay somebody else to do. <laughs> it's just not I mean, I mean, that's an awesome, awesome, you know, vocation. And then that's what if that get, get you excited. But I, I can't even really keep food in my house the right way. I could run a seven figure business, but just wrapping my mind around the meal planning and having this stuff there. It's just, it's just, I don't know if it's because it's not my interest or whatever, but um, I always knew that I was going to be in business. And I honestly, and I say this and I love my children, they're 22 and 18 years old. I honestly could have seen myself being just a, a, a woman that just did the, the career thing. I mean, I could, I could envision myself being CEO of a big company. Um, I don't think I could have had both sides of the life that I have now doing Mm -hmm. that because honestly, I was in the classroom with my children more than, than, than moms that stayed at home a lot of the time, because if, if somebody calls the office and they said Deborah's out of the office, they don't know that I'm over there doing junior achievement with my kids (laughs) class, or I'm over there, you know, you know, doing something with them and the moms that stayed at home often had small children so they couldn't go to the classroom so Mm -hmm. I feel like over the years I've had the best of both worlds I really have had it all and I think in entrepreneurship you can do that and I think women are perfect for it because look we already are so good at keeping all the plates in the air we're really good at Mm -hmm. at that flexibility because you know you've been somewhere and you paid a ton of money for some ticket to a show and your kids having a full-on meltdown and you got to leave and you just like okay 
we gotta, we gotta re, we gotta readjust. We gotta readjust. I mean, we're so good at that, right? Already right, in right. life, and then mom's calling because dad's da da da, and you've got the kids, and you've got the work, and you, we're good at that. And so I think women, personally, I've always been an entrepreneur, and I think women are especially good at it. Um, you know, they don't have to have huge companies. I think when we say entrepreneur, women get scared, thinking, "Oh my God, I don't want to start up and have to be getting VC and doing all." It's like, no. Look what you did. You bought a small company, which was really smart, I think, because you bought a small company. That's so manageable. You weren't rolling out this mm-hmm. whole big, all these promises. You were doing a, a service that was already there. It's so smart, the acquisition, um, buying the companies. And then you were able to just continue to build your company from there, your businesses from there. And the flexibility, right? So great to be able to be there. For exactly. You. I mean, it's a two-edged sword in a way, because when you are an entrepreneur, I, I have not, I, and I, I don't even, I still applaud people that can work out of their home. I don't, I don't even know how, I own a building. Actually, we just paid it off last year, 21 right. years we've been in the same building. Um, but I, you know, we really have to, I mean, I really applaud people that work at home because it, I don't know how you se- separate those things, but I mean, we really are on call. I mean, if you want to be, 24 seven. I mean, like, you know, we had a little glitch in our schedule yesterday and I was looking at my email at, you know, at nine o'clock at night, Eastern time. I mean, I choose to do that. Right. I mean, and if I do choose to be available on my email at nine o'clock at night or answer clients thing, um, it, it, it's, an, it's benefiting me, not my co- the company that I work for or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we really do have the flexibility. So of course I could go and be in my child's classroom because if I wanted to be doing work at nine o'clock at night, I could, you know, I wasn't right. under that nine to five, you know, kind of thing. But if I don't, and I, and I do sometimes, I mean, like probably tomorrow, uh, well, not so much tomorrow, but like on Christmas day, if somebody would have texted me, I wouldn't have responded to them probably, but I could have if I wanted to. You know? right. right, right. The thing is too, is, and you, you make a good point is that, you know, we, um, many of us who are the entrepreneurs who were there for our kids, we had a partner or a spouse that was there so that, you know, that was the sort of stable Things so that we could be that flow and flex and still could build businesses. So, um, you know, that's really key because if you're a single mom, I think trying to run your own business and, ha- and raise your children is nearly like just it's it's been done, but it's very tough. So I would oh, say way that, harder. You know, because I think you got to worry about who's who's going to back you up on the childcare right. and you don't have the stability of the other revenue. Like if I had a month where I, for some reason, didn't bill anything, we still paid our mortgage. We still right. kept our kids in, you know, private school. We still had our car payment covered. Um, right. That's, that's huge. I mean, I think it's hard in any situation to be on a one income today anyway. Oh no, I know. Um, yeah. From whatever, whether you're the single dad or the single mom or whatever, I think it's really difficult on one income these days. Well, I want to just say this too, really quickly, since we're talking about business and money. If you were a single mom, even if you weren't, and you say you you're stepping back, I think the the always having sort of a freelance or or, or gig, just do a little gig so that you can <laughs> always ramp up. So say you're a CPA and and you're just maybe you have six kids, but you still don't you want you you want to stay in the game. You could continue to sort of take on other, other little, little jobs. Or if you're working exactly. in a corporation, then you can sort of start building things when you get a little more free, when the children aren't so small, you know, I think right. that's right. A- exactly. And I, I, one of my thing, tips that I give to one of my women's wealth secrets is to have some kind of independent revenue, whether it, it, even if you're in corporate, have some kind of gig revenue. And, and it's such a gig economy really right now. Right, it is. Um, because a lot of the great, I mean, 
when all is said and done, I have been the owner of a CPA firm for 29 years. That is mm-hmm. the core of what I'm about. It's just morphed into so much more. But to me, the, the CPA part is the keep more money, not the only part of the keep more money, but the grow more money is all about revenue strategies and things like that. And then I also, um, well, the grow more money is once you've made money, let's, let's invest it and do something with it. But the making more is about revenue strategy. So even if you are in a corporate situation, uh, one of my tips is always to find revenue, other revenue streams. And it could be that you do what you do for your main company. And you have to be careful because some companies have policies against that. But say you're an awesome graphic designer and you have people that want to want you to do some side gigs. Or what I have seen in COVID is direct sales take off. Um, so many people have that maybe would have turned their nose up at direct sales in the past because mm-hmm. they all of a sudden weren't able to earn revenue in their regular jobs. Say they worked at a restaurant and now the restaurants are all closed or say they were a hairstylist and the salons are all closed. All of a sudden mm-hmm. people are like, Whoa, I don't have any money. Um, but even, even if you have another, you know, mainstream of income, if you have a related product that you could um, have indirect sales or, um, even working in corporate, like say you are really interested in youth and, and your skin looking good, um, having, you know, involved with one of those kind of companies gives you an opportunity to have this income that's not on a W-2. Um, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with W-2, but a lot of the tax strategies that I give people that can save them thousands and thousands of dollars don't work if your only income is a W-2. I mean, because right. there's just not much you can do. And if anyone tells you that they can give you some awesome tax strategies when 99% of your income shows up on the wage line, they are pulling your leg because there's not <laughs> much you can do. <laughs> oh, you're so right. Okay, well, you're just a, a wealth of, of knowledge. And I kind of wanted to move into how you work, um, you, you, you do a lot of speaking and how you work this whole women's wealth secrets. And just give me a little bit about what, you know, you, you're a CPA, ran a firm for 29 years, but you're doing more now to help others. So let's, let's hear a little bit about that. Right. Well, I will tell you, because I've been dealing with people's money and because I've been through the evolution of a business from zero to seven figures, I've seen a lot. And it seems like that women especially, I mean, I have a lot of male clients, but I did lead a women's a national women's networking group for about six years. And I'm actually taking on leadership of another one soon. Um, women are making a lot of the same mistakes over and over and over again. And a lot of it stems from that whole thing you said about serving a little bit. Of course, they're like, oh, I just want to serve my clients. That by definition, you must do to stay in business. So let's right. just take that off the table. If you're not serving your clients, you're not going to stay in business. But you can't serve anyone if you can't keep your lights on, right? Right. And so a lot of what I help women do is try to get them working on the right things at the right time and focusing on the right things. A lot of times people are doing the right things, but in the wrong order, or they're spending a ton of time, you know, maybe an hour trying to tweak something on their website when they, you know, two hours, three hours for something that somebody could have done for five minutes. Fixing your website is not a revenue generating activity. Mm -hmm. Trying to refocus them back to revenue generating activities. And what are those revenue generating activities they should be doing? What are the things they should be selling? Mm-hmm. It's funny. And, and what numbers should I be looking at? And it's not the same for everyone, but everyone should be checking, you know, how much money came in yesterday? You know, what are, what are my, you know, what are, what's my pipeline look like? You need to know what is your average customer worth, you know, so yeah. that you can decide if someone says, Hey, here's this 
you know, people focus too much on the next LinkedIn um, strategy or the next Facebook strategy or, you know, do this program and you'll make whatever. Um, they're not even doing the right thing, right? I mean, if yeah. you don't know your cost of you know, how much your customer is worth to you, you don't know, hey, if I spend this, I only have to get two customers to make, to make it up, you know. But if you're selling something that's $5 profit, you've got to sell 5,000 of them. That doesn't make sense. You have to understand the ROI of your time and your money. Right. Um, and that's what a lot of it, that's kind of the core. I mean, that's kind of bu bubbling down, you know, a lot of principles into, into what I stand for, but it really is an overarching, that whole life cycle of money. Again, the make more, keep more and grow more. If you're not seeing enough money in your account, if you're not seeing growing wealth, a legacy for you, your family, your community, um, somewhere in that in that equation you're either not making enough you're not keeping it or you're not growing it and anywhere in that life cycle is what women's wealth secrets is all about and i talk about different strategies depending on where you are i mean if, if it turns out that hey i'm selling like crazy you've got to make more under control but it's at the end of the month there's not enough left for the bills we got to look at what the keep more part is or if you've got both of those handled but you're not really seeing your personal wealth grow something's not happening on that legacy side so mm -hmm. Um, just finding out where you are in the life cycle and then the strategies to improve which part you're not doing is what Women's Wealth Secrets is all about. And what would you say, um, that's, it's so everything you said, I completely agree with, but everything you, you tell them, do you say, go back and visit this once a month, once a quarter, mm -hmm. once a day? Like, what do you, how, how do you help right. them to well, get into habits? Right. Well, a lot of it is, and I will tell you, this is, this is the other side, and you as a longtime entrepreneur get this too. A lot of it is finding community. You need to have an accountability because when we signed up to be in business for ourselves, we did not realize quite so much it was by yourself. You know, yes. we don't have a board of directors. So some uh -huh. of the things I do, I have like a, um, a few programs that are kind of mastermind format where they do have a little bit of a community that holds them accountable and I hold them accountable. Right. Um, because a lot of times, I mean, I personally have to gamify things a little bit to get things done because I don't have somebody saying, you know, giving me a performance review once a year or once a quarter. I mean, my bank account kind of gives me a performance review. Am I doing okay? But I mean, there's more to it than that. Um, because it's not only just how much money are you making, but it's the opportunity cost of are you doing the right things, right? Right, right. Um, because we off, I mean, I could make more money, but I can't create more time, right? I mean, I only have 24 hours in a day. I don't care if you're a billionaire, you can't get more than 24 hours in a day like anybody else. So if you're right. spending an, an hour on something like the website that you shouldn't be. So I really work with them to try to figure out what is your hourly rate worth? I mean, what are you, and that doesn't particularly mean your billing rate, right? What is an hour of your time worth? And if we figure it out based on all the things that you do, that really your hour is worth $5,000, then we, then you need to say, if somebody asked you to go to lunch, you better make sure it's something that's going to down the way. And again, not that one person, maybe the connections that you're going to get from them are eventually going to lead you to $5,000. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. and, I mean, and sometimes that, I mean, and people laugh when I say that, but it's really true. You're, if you're wasting time and you could have met with someone that's going to connect you to someone that's going to connect you to someone's going to connect you to that does end up being worth $5,000. Yeah, that's great. But if you're just going and, and that comes down to, I'm a huge proponent of networking. I am a professional women networker. I mean, I, but the thing is, 
it's not social. It's, I mean, yes, you make friends and yes, you get to know other people that are interested in the same things as you, or they wouldn't be women business owners, but you have to have a strategy for all of that. And you, and that's how I kind of help them a little bit. Um, because to me, you know, when you're in a labyrinth and you face up into the wall, right? I mean, you know, right or left, that's all you see. And so the group think kind of method that I use for them is the other people kind of give them some ideas, but then I, as someone that's been doing this for 30 years, it's pretty much, I wish someone would, would give me a scenario I probably haven't seen already. I kind of take that 10,000 foot view and I can see, okay, turn right, turn left, turn left, right. you know, a little bit for them, you know, and that's what you need is you need in your arsenal, people that are peers for you that can give you some good advice, people that are below you that you can kind of pull up as you go. Cause you learn a lot from that as well. And then you need someone that's done stuff that you want to do that you haven't done yet. Right. And, and that's what, that's the role I try to fill for a lot of these women business owners. Well, that's great. So do you do the, is that like a one-on-one coaching or do you like a course? Like a, well, I, I have a couple of different ways. We do, I do have some, some one-on-one people. And this is just a strategy that I personally use. If someone is a private client of mine, which I usually only take eight to 10 of those a year, if they're a one-on-one client, they have a lot more access to me, but they get everything else that I do. I mean, I don't like nickel and dime them to death. I mean, if you're my private client, you pay X, you get the group coaching. You get also a, a, a seat on one of the masterminds. You get any course that I do. I mean, mm-hmm. you are my VIP for the year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I do about eight or 10 people of that. Then I have the smaller groups, which are the masterminds, which are, I, I limit those to eight people and it's the same eight people that I have multiple groups of that. Um, because the thing is, when you're masterminding with someone and just the concept of mastermind, I think is so amazing. Um, you don't want to be figuring out where that person is coming from all the time. So you want to be, you know, maybe that first, first meeting or two, we're kind of still getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. Then when person, you know, when Sally says something in month nine, you know what the validity of it is because you already know what's going on versus if you're going in and out, people want to say they're in a mastermind when they're only doing one off kind of thing. That's not really a mastermind. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you don't know when one of those participants, number 12, that you have only met yesterday or today, if, what their point of view is, where they're coming right. from. Like I know a lot about health. I mean, cause I've made health one of my things that I've really gotten into over the past two years, but I'm not an expert on that. So I may give some good advice because I've, I'm an absorber of that information, but it's not the same as someone that does health all day long. You know, I mean, it, it comes from a different place. Right. So we do that. And then I also have like an academy where it's really more self-directed where I kind of do an entrepreneurial MBA in a box in a way and, and, nice. and yeah. forget about all the, forget about all the, the fluffy stuff that, you know, the, the intellectual stuff that you don't need to know. What is the real stuff you need to know <laughs> to make this yeah. work? Having done it, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we're not talking theory. We're talking, this is what, this is what you need to do. The logistics of it basically. Right. 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 Um, exactly. So, so when people come to you, when women come to you, are they just starting a business, considering starting a business? Are they in it and going, look, I'm not making any money at it's a hobby. Like where are they right. at when they, when they meet you? I mean, well, most people that can consume what I, I mean, of course I help people. My, my team at Charter Accounting, which is the CPA firm, we can help anyone wherever they are on the journey. And I, I do a lot of startup stuff where I'll get them going. They're probably not appropriate for, for certainly for the private coaching because the, the cost is too much for someone that's just getting started. Um, but it's more people that are already at six figures 
that want to get to 250, 500. Somebody that's at 500 that wants to get to, to yeah, they want to scale up. Or a million. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. I mean, of course, everything that I say is appropriate for a, a newbie as well. It's just they're probably, it's probably too much of a fire hose for someone that's just getting started, <laughs> right? You know? Yeah, yeah. They need to drift in a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> but one of my plans is, I mean, because I have been doing this for a while, is I actually am probably 2021, if not 2021, probably 22 for sure, I'm going to actually be certifying some people in my methods that would be not me, but would be using a lot of my stuff and they could more help the, the, um, Oh, I was just going to ask the, you that. I was, I was just going to ask you that because I was just going to say, looking at my, um, demographic and the, and it, the women 40 to 60 plus, uh, we're, we're That's really <laughs> set. We're really set to be entrepreneurs, whether it's solo, micro, small business, you know, but a lot of us are coming into it new, um, not foolish, but new. And so might need just like the basics and then, you know, continuing to layer upon that and build. And if you have something that you can offer, you know, where they can get some guidance, maybe be in a group and sort of, you know, that to me, I think is really useful too, because those people, they don't know where to start. They don't know what to begin with. And they haven't heard these things that you're talking about. You know, we know that time is money, but we really don't, know that like what you're saying working on the website when you right. get it well and the academy works for that as well because it's not like one-on-one time with me it's more you know compartmentalized right. mm-hmm. um but you know there are some basics and I do a lot I, I I sell from the place of giving information I mean I do tons of just flat out educational webinars for my clients um for you know prospects or whatever um, and I'm not like one of those people where you get on a webinar and you're selling from minute one. I'm yeah. throwing my best stuff at them for like an hour. And yeah. then I'm like, if this makes sense for you, get on a call with me. Or if you think that you might have questions about this, get yeah. on a call with me. Um, and I think that is just, that's the difference between people that are super great marketers and get people into their programs versus people that are really giving good content. Cause I mean, I have a little bit of a pet peeve in the coaching industry. I don't even call myself a coach because I really have done it. I mean, this is because a lot of the coaches that are out there have never really actually scaled a business. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they've been certified, which is awesome. They've, um, uh, you know, are have really a great click funnel or they have a great, you know, way that they're getting people into their, into their world. And I'm sure they've got great information to give, but to me, just where I am in my business, I, I want to make sure that the people that come to me are appropriate, not people that are just wowed by my marketing. Does that make right. sense? Right. You know, I mean, cause there are people out there that are just funneling people into their programs and either they're not at the right place in their, in their, in their entrepreneurial journey, or it's just not the right information that the person needs. Right. Right. Well, you've, you've got a, a you know, 29 years of experience. So 30 years of experience almost. So you're more of an expert. I mean, sure, you know, coaches are experts too, but you're more of an expert from experience. You're, you're talking from Mm -hmm. experience. You're not walking them through a difficult situation and having them discern, you know, uh, the fear they might have. You're not really working in that arena. Right, right, right. I let's mean, take I, this and make like it smart. Always does, but yeah, I mean. you're like, let's take this. Let's be smart with it. This is the A, B, C, and D. This is how we can do it. So you, I would see you as a really, you know, useful expert to people that, that are just needing mm-hmm. the, the, you know, 
brass tacks of how to how to put it all together. And like I said, right, right. women, they may have all the skills and all the ability and people are asking them for whatever it is they do well, and but they're not knowing how to really do the business. And I think that is where you could be just so useful um, to so many of uh, my audience. Really. Exactly. Because a lot of it is about systems. Because the thing is, Thank say you. you do have, yes. you're great. And then, um, you, you know, you know, people from your corporate world and you could, you have a Rolodex that's worth a million dollars and you just don't even mm-hmm. realize it yet. Um, and you start calling some of your people and telling people, this is what I'm doing. And they're like, well, either they can take advantage of it or they know someone that can take advantage of right. it. But then you're like, oh my gosh, somebody wants to work with me and I don't even know how to bill them. You know, I don't even know how to collect their money. I mean, I don't even have an easy way to set them up on a payment plan. I mean, that's, I mean, seriously, that is, those are the things that people just don't know what to do. And that's what really the, that, and that's why coming from the space of the core of my business being that keep more money. And that means having your system so that when somebody does give you a thousand dollars, you're not spending hundred dollars collecting it, you know, we, we know the strategies and systems to give you so that it's only costing you $5 or whatever. And just having that stuff in place, because oh, you would be so surprised how many people have, diff- you know, don't have trouble with the sales, but then have difficulty collecting because they don't have a systemized way to get the money from people. I mean, it's <sighs> as simple as that, but it's really true. Oh, my if you're gosh, not a retail with a cash register, they don't know what to do. <laughs> I've mentored, you know, most of the, the people that I've mentored, are they, they're selling IP, meaning that they're not selling an actual widget for money. They're selling service for money. So they have a hard time with, like, they can really do the service beautifully. And then it, when it comes to the actual collecting or making it really clear how that framework of payments and everything is all laid mm-hmm. out, that's where they just need so much, so much work. And, I, and sometimes women, I don't know what it is, but they have a hard time saying, this is my price. This is what, oh, no. yeah, that, this that's is what huge. my value that's huge. <laughs> is. Like, this is my value. This is my, and I think that they have a really hard time, but they've got to get used to it or they're not going to be able to run a business. And um, mm-hmm. that's something that uh, it's, it's a hurdle that many people can get over. So, and I love that you, you really um, started out with time and money. And, and uh, I think as women too, because we can have so many plates in the air, we feel like, oh, I'll just handle that. And it's really not being smart. Like you're saying, you have to be yeah, you, smart with your you time. Can't, you can't scale and do it all yourself. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should, should do it. Right. And one thing that you said made me think, just think to myself, one thing that I think people really forget about, and this comes into the, under the make more money um, part, is as an entrepreneur, you must, must be able to sell. That's just as simple as that. We are hunter-gatherers. We are the ones that ran out and got the woolly mammoth and brought him back and let somebody else do some of the processing. But I mean, no one is going to sell for you. You're not going to be able to build a business if you can't do sales. And that includes asking for the money. I mean, yeah. that's just as simple as it. That's what made, when you said that about having a hard time asking for their price or their worth, that is, I think one of the biggest problems with business owners in general and women, especially yeah. is it's, it's really a lot of sales. I mean, and, and we have to get rid of that icky feeling of sales. Sales is service. I mean, yeah. You are, if you have, I mean, you got to have people that need what you're selling and, you know, and, and there's a couple of things that for sure people always need. They need that people will buy if it's related to their money, if it's related to their time, if it's related to their health. I mean, it's related to, I have a fourth pillar that I say relationship. If it builds relationships, they'll buy too. But um, if, if you've got a product that people will buy and it's at a good price, you, 
you've got to be able to ask them to buy it from you. I mean, I, I don't even know how any other way to say it. And I think people are very scared. That's not icky. They want it. If they're not going to buy it from you, they're going to buy it from somebody else. Absolutely. So why would you feel icky asking them to buy it from you? <laughs> right. I think it, and, and also to being able to say what your value is and why, you know, people are, well, wow, that's a lot of money. Well, you know, and then you have something to back that up with and, and you have to just be really good at delivering all those. And I think probably in your masterminds, you probably practice it with people because they just, that, that when they're getting started, it's a real, it's, it's one that, that they have to practice and have it on the tip of their exactly. tongue. On the tip of their tongue. And you have to, especially for the folks that are leaving corporate that are used to kind of being paid a salary or hourly or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not, this is your value is what you're paid on. I mean, mm-hmm. if I were to get paid for a tax return, the amount of time that it takes, I couldn't charge near, but the problem is it's not the time of preparing the tax return. That's just the, that's just the folder that you're getting it in. It's all the information that you have to know to know where to put things on the tax return. So it's not time. I mean, and that's what I think a lot of times when people are leaving the corporate world have a little bit of a little bit of a hard time transitioning because they don't, they're like, well, that's a lot per hour. I mean, whenever anybody brings up to me, I I very rarely have things that I charge by the hour anymore. I'm like, if I'm going to charge you by the hour, I got to charge you $5,000 because that's how much my hour is worth. You know, I don't charge anything at that, but I mean, really and truly, if I'm only charging you for an hour worth of my time to download, that's, you can't even quantify that. I mean, you've got to charge based on what is the results you're going to get and the the knowledge that I have to get you that result. That's where the value, that's where the pricing and the value comes in. And that's, that's a bit of a, a mindset shift for people that have been in corporate, I think. Yeah, especially. Yeah, you make so many fantastic points. And I love that you help people scale, but uh, and then you also are, are, you know, getting people ready to help with uh, those just coming in because both both need it. And like I said, I've mentored Mm -hmm. plenty of women into businesses and uh, help them along. And that's just an area of money with women, especially. It's a tough one. And we're living longer lives and we have to get really good at, at handling our money, making money, having wealth. Um, and yeah, it's got to last longer. It's got to last longer for all of us. And managing it and, and managing our time because that's something that's even, you don't get that back. So, you know, we need mm-hmm. to really think about how we're using our time. So, well, you're just a, like, I don't want to make it plum, but you are a wealth of information and um, <laughs> somebody I would love to, to hear you speak. So I'm going to be watching for that as well. Um, your website is DebraDaniel.com and your, and your accounting firm is CharterAccounting.com. And Deborah, this has been, and Women's Wealth Secrets, that's your program, right? Yes. Yeah. Women's Wealth Secrets. Um, this has been really, if fantastic. And I just can't say enough about how important it is for women to get really comfortable with money and get good at it um, and, and be right, making right. money so that we can you know, continue to, to have longevity and be relevant throughout life and enjoy life. So, um, yeah, it's really, it's so important. I mean, it's something we can't kick the can down. I mean, especially with COVID, don't you think? I mean, we used to say having three to six months of emergency fund was good. Mm. I mean, do you think that's really true now where we're nine months into a pandemic and some people still aren't getting revenue? I mean, it, I mean, we have, it's so much more relevant. I was, I've told people a few times, the P in CPA, of course, stands for Certified Public Accountant, but the P this year has felt like psychologist because so many people's money issues are bubbling up. But it's, the thing is, 
having been a business, you've been a business for a while, but been a business for almost three decades. If it's not COVID, it was 2008 or the 2000 tech bubble or, or 9-11 or yeah. here in Atlanta, we had the Olympics in 1996. You couldn't even buy an employee because everybody wanted to work for the Olympics. I mean, you have to be prepared. I mean, the current thing knocking the knees out from under us is COVID, but there's always something else going to knock the knees out from under us, right? And, and the way it's going to push us over. So you've got to really have your act together. And I think it comes, the, the, the money part is the core of that, whether personal or business. I mean, right. money is not the root of your, of, of your happiness, but it impacts everything that makes you happy. So you, so you've got to really be on top of it, you know? Right. And you can't be really doing the life that you want to live. If you have to be sort of that Maslow's pyramid, if you have to be really just struggling to make enough money to make ends meet, then you can't go on and do the other things. So it's, it's really important to be mindful of the money and, and, and controlling that, managing it so that you can go on and do the things that are really fulfilling for you. So you have so many great points and I just love, um, this conversation with you and uh, I'll be I'll be looking for your your speaking events in our networks coming forward and and uh, thank you thank you happy new year to you have I hope that happy 2021 is a great year for you and uh, and I'll certainly be in touch with you so thank you so much awesome. thank you so much it's been great thank you for listening links to mine and my guest social media as well as other resources you might enjoy are all in the show notes why not take a quick 10-minute quiz to help find the right resource for you? Download the Compass mini course or browse the resource page and see what the next community has to offer. All available at www.nextcareerlife.com. Enjoying the show? Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the show with a friend or coworker. Word of mouth is still the best way to find out about new podcasts. Until next time.